Welcome to the Shifting with Marley podcast. I'm Marley. Thank you for joining me wherever you are. All that I ask of you, the listener, is to have an open mind and an open heart. And in return, I offer you myself. Today, we're going to talk about stepping out of fear and into love and living a life that is centered in our hearts. Because the world right now needs less fear and more love. And the way we accomplish that is by bringing more love into our own lives. We start by loving ourselves so much that the love pours out of us and touches everything around us. We become more loving. And then that love spreads. Here to guide us on our journey back to love today is Cheryl Byrne. Cheryl is an intuitive guide, healer, and coach based in Ireland, whose mission is to empower you to reclaim your life, heart, and soul. Welcome, Cheryl. Hello, Marley. Thanks so much for that lovely introduction. And can I just say those words at the start were beautiful. They really like touched my soul. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for being here today. I'm so grateful to connect with you. I'm so grateful too. It's so lovely to finally meet you. And thank you for having me on. This podcast has allowed me to connect with people from all over the world. And I'm just so, so grateful. It's just so amazing what technology can do for us today. (laughs) Definitely. And before we dive in, Cheryl, can you please let people know where they can find you? Yes, my website is thereclaimcoach.com and you can find me on Instagram at at thereclaimcoach. Cheryl, let's start today with the mind and the ego mind fear connection. Can you please tell us a little about the ego and how to disengage from and quiet the ego? Mm, Great question. The ego, the infamous ego So the ego is really that part of us, that conscious thinking mind, the part of us that associates ourselves with our thoughts, our feelings, emotions, and doesn't believe that we are more than those, whereas our higher self knows that we are so much more than those things. The ego is always going to be coming from fear and lack, whereas our higher self is the complete opposite. There are two opposing things. The higher self is coming from love and abundance. And really the way we disengage with the ego is about coming into stillness. And I know that can be really, really difficult for some people. And the number one way I really like to disengage from my ego is through meditation. And I know I get so much resistance from people when I bring up meditation and I see you laughing. You may be the same or you might hear the same from people. But it really isn't about sitting in meditation for 30, 40 minutes a day. It's about even setting the intention for a minute or two each day to be silent and be present and be in your body. Another really good way of disengaging from your ego is by noticing your thoughts, really observing your thoughts and seeing, are they coming from fear or are they coming from love? Because that's the number one way of identifying where each of your thoughts are coming from. And it's not about judging your thoughts. It's about getting super curious, curious. Where did that thought come from? Why am I thinking this thought and really challenging it, asking it, is it true? And if it is true, it's okay. It's about accepting that that might be true in that moment, but you can change it because we all have the ability to create our future. And it's about accepting those thoughts and changing them to a better feeling thought. 
I love that. Thank you so much. That was such a great explanation. And a lot of our fears are from the ego, right? Because our ego hates change. It can't stand change. Its sole purpose is really here to keep you safe. And anything unknown to the ego is a threat. So therefore, it's unsafe to do anything unknown, whether that's to show up on social media or to get back out there dating. That's all really, really scary for the ego. So it's not to demonize the ego and say, oh, it's awful. It's about, you know, almost befriending it and actually going, okay, I acknowledge you and I accept that thought, but that's not actually real. And I don't really want to stay small anymore. I want to step out and start living a more joyful life. And the only way to start living a more joyful life is to do those things that are unknown to us. Those things that might feel scary, but they're leading us to greatness. Mm, I totally agree. And I see this fear of the unknown and fear of change right now permeating the collective lately. And I think it's partly our egos trying to hold on to control as the world changes. But while we all have an ego mind, Cheryl, we are also all intuitive beings. And while our ego is constantly chattering around in our minds, our intuition is also always speaking to us. How can we differentiate our ego versus our intuition? I get this question from so many clients as well. The best way to differentiate is really going back to that, observing the thought and actually asking yourself, is it a fearful thought or is it a love-based thought? Because your higher self, and, and sorry, just to go back, everybody is intuitive. Some people come to me and they say, I'm not intuitive. And what I usually get from their energy when I tap into their energy is that they're getting that intuitive download from source, but then their ego is coming in and overriding it straight away. They're getting that one hit, that download, go do the thing, sign up to that course, start the business. And straight away, the ego comes in with, but, but if, if, and all these limiting beliefs start coming in on top. So it's very hard when you're programmed to listen to your ego. Your intuition or your higher self knows that you are one with source. There's the law of one. We're all one with source and source is pure love. Therefore, you are pure love. And anything other than that is your ego, the fears, the limiting beliefs, the anxiety. So your intuition knows that truth within you. The other thing um, your higher self knows is what you are here to do. And it's always guiding you to that place of the unknown. That's why it's scary. It's here to guide you on your mission, on your purpose for what you're here to do. So the best way to differentiate from it is to tap back into is that fearful or is am I just running afraid because of it's where I should be going? And something within you will be lighting you up. There will be something within you knowing deep within you that that's the right choice. Mm, it's such an important distinction, right? Absolutely. Cheryl, I think step one in bringing more love into our lives is to recognize the ego, bringing awareness to our repetitive thoughts. But it's a constant practice, right? Our ego never goes away. So we have to continuously remind ourselves to engage more with our intuition and less with our ego. Absolutely. It is that constant reminder. We are human at the end of the day, and we're here to have a human experience. So it is the challenge that we've been faced with. But really what we're here to do is remember, remember who we truly are. And part of that remembrance is remembering that you're pure love. And the ego is the one thing that's going to take you away from it. 
But it's so important to keep coming back to that fact. And it can be really hard to do, you know, if you're not having a great day or if you're in a difficult phase in your life, it can be difficult to remember that. And even if you could tell your mind, I am pure love, it's really about putting practices into place and having those self-care tools there to help you have a little toolkit of wellness almost so that you can keep tapping back into that higher self, that higher version of you. And life isn't meant to be hard. We're always been led to what we're here to do. And the universe is always trying to guide you by what lights you up. And really, that's the way that you are going to find what you're here to do. Some people think that the universe is just going to give you a roadmap with this is what you're here to do. And that's not what it is. Some people have big visions for their future. And that's so amazing. I love when I see that, but they're expecting to get the answer of how to get from A to Z. But really, the universe might be giving you the answer of get, how to get from A to B. And it's up to you to trust that and trust in the unknown. And we're not meant to know how it all works. We're not meant to know what we're supposed to be doing in five years time or 10 years time. It's great to have visions, but when you have that vision, you can be so focused on it that you're not allowing any other opportunities to come in from the universe. Mm, You're so right. And here's an important question, Cheryl. Do you think living from the ego, identifying more with the ego mind, which a lot of us do a lot of the time, right? Does that affect our ability to love ourselves and others? A hundred percent. Yes. When you're living from that mind, and I associate most of my life, I was living from my mind. I couldn't dissociate from my thoughts or my feelings. And it's so freeing now when you actually think about it to be able to dissociate and not actually to know that you're not those fear-based thoughts. But if you think of somebody like a school bully or a workplace bully, and they're going around and they're putting people down. And if you actually dig into why are they doing that? It's because they're hurting and hurt people hurt people. I'm not excusing their behavior in it by any means. But the fact is, is they're putting other people down because they don't feel good about themselves. So if they're not feeling good about themselves and they're putting people down to make themselves feel better, there's no way that those people can be happy within themselves. So therefore, how could they love themselves? And if you can only love people to the same degree as you love yourself. So when I look back at my past and see how how associated I was with my ego, I certainly had a lot of self-hatred for myself. I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel lovable. Whereas now, because I'm able to fill my own cup, I can now pour, I can show up, I can serve my clients. I can be a kinder person to my friends and to my family. Mm, Yeah. Wow. Because our egos are really judgmental, right? So judgmental, so judgmental. But the thing about judgment that I really love is that we can use it to our advantage. So what we judge in others, we judge in ourselves. And really what we love in others, we love in ourselves. And what we hate in others, we hate in ourselves. Or hate might be a strong word, but what we dislike in others. So I think it's really powerful because that's where our shadows are lying. Our shadows are all lying in those things that we can't face because everything has polarity and there's darkness within us and there's light within us. And a lot of people think spirituality is all about love and light. And it's absolutely not. There is darkness within us. And really using that judgment to integrate our whole selves can be so powerful. You know, everything is reflecting what's going on internally within us. And some people get triggered when I say that because they might say, well, that workplace bully that I'm dealing with at the moment, I'm not a bully. And it mightn't be the fact that you're a bully, but it might be, well, if that person is feeling unworthy, are you feeling unworthy someplace in your life? So I love using judgment as a powerful tool. 
So powerful. Thank you. And what are some of the biggest barriers that you've seen to loving ourselves fully and completely? It's 100% the biggest thing is the ego. But when you break it down, it's really about our limiting beliefs. So beliefs are just thoughts we keep thinking and limiting beliefs are those that limit us. And the ego is always going to hold you back and make you think you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you're not lovable. And essentially, none of these things are true. But when you're trapped in thinking that they're your truth, that really stops you and prevents you from loving yourself and in turn, loving other people fully. The next thing that I really see is a piece around acceptance. People failing to accept their past or their present and also to certain, some certain degree, their future. Because some people think their future is set in stone when absolutely it's not. We can change our future through our thoughts and our beliefs by creating a better feeling thought. And then we're vibrating at a higher frequency so we can call in much better desires, much better feelings. But really this acceptance piece really brings people down because there's a lot of shame. And shame can be such a secret for people. And oftentimes when I have clients that come to me and they're feeling ashamed about something, it might not necessarily mean that we need to go through a full healing on it. It might be like, are you okay to speak to me about this? Because when we speak it out into existence, it's almost like a release. You can feel somebody's heart space opening up. It's like, actually, was it really that bad? Am I holding on to something that isn't that bad? So really, when we allow that to come out, there may be a certain element of forgiveness work then that people need to do as well. And there's so many great ways that we can forgive ourselves. And that could be through, there's so many meditation, forgiveness meditations, and I have a free one on Insight Timer. Also, journaling, writing a forgiveness letter to yourself is so powerful to really help integrate the whole part of you so that you can start loving yourself more. I love that. And yeah, that really hits home. We're up against a lot out there, Cheryl, a lot of societal conditioning too, and people pleasing. And I think a lot of us have some deeply ingrained issues around self-worth, both subconsciously and consciously, like you've been talking about. But I truly believe if we want to see more love in the world, it has to start with loving ourselves. And I know self-love is something you work on with your clients, and you've already talked about some tools like writing a letter to yourself, forgiving yourself, but can you provide us any other tips and tools for deepening our self-love? It's a great question. The deepening the self-love, it's it's a funny one. And sometimes the term self-love can be quite triggering. And I sometimes, even though I teach it and I work with people on it, I sometimes, it bothers me because as I was mentioning earlier, that we're part of source, which means we are there for love. And essentially, you can't love yourself more. I heard Aaron Abke once say that, you know, telling somebody to love themselves more is like telling the sun to be more illuminating. It can't be more illuminating. It just is. So really, we all are that and we remember that. So it's just so important to have all those tools in place for yourself, whether that is the meditation practice, doing breath work, EFT. There's so many resources out there. But one of the best ways, I think, is about coming into your body, coming into your body. And that could be through, you know, various methods of working out, doing yoga. It's why so many people love the pose of Shavasana lying there after your yoga practice, because you're spending the whole session getting out of your mind and into your body and using breath to actually 
transform what's going on. So I often say to people who aren't used to meditating to meditate after a workout because it's the best, it's the easiest time to get out of your mind. Also, I think one of the most amazing ways of doing it, if it's you're, it's not possible to work out and you want to get into your body, just put on some music, dance, move your body. It's all about getting out of your mind. And that way you're been more able to remember the truth. It's the ego that's holding you back from the truth of who you are, whereas deep down you already know that. That's what I'm working with clients on, is working with them to remember their truth of who they are. Because we've all that veil of forgetting when we come onto this earth. But deep within us, on a soul level, we actually know the truth of who we are. Wow. Yes. Thank you. Those are some amazing tools. And I wanted to share one thing I've been exploring lately to help with self-love and self-worth, because I've been working on these myself, is mirror work. And that's a whole big topic, of course, but it can be as simple as gazing at yourself lovingly in the mirror, telling yourself, I love you in the mirror, or even repeating affirmations that resonate with you to yourself in the mirror. I find mirror work to be super powerful. I think you're so right there. It is really powerful. And I think when people stand for long enough in the mirror and look into their own eyes, they can actually start remembering truth. And sometimes it's really difficult because there can be a lot of pain in your eyes. You know, they say the eyes is the window to the soul. And sometimes when I know when I started doing mirror work, it was really confronting to look at myself in the mirror. And, you know, it did bring up a lot of tears but I think saying those affirmations, because everything is a projection of what's going on internally, when you get more familiar with saying those terms to yourself, you can start hearing them externally. You can't start hearing them from other people until you actually start to internally believe them yourself. And what I love about affirmations is you can set up so many reminders. You can set a reminder in your phone for yourself throughout the day and really pause and take a moment to actually embody it. You don't need to always be in front of the mirror to do it. But I like using bridging words for affirmations. So instead of saying, if somebody isn't believing that they're fully amazing, instead of saying, I'm amazing, I'm in the process of becoming amazing. Using those words to actually build yourself into believing it. I totally agree. Thank you. And I feel that our society and our culture promotes a very analytical and logical way of being. It certainly doesn't help us love ourselves, right? Our society and our culture and conditions us to live more from our mind and ego and less from our hearts. But I think in order to live a more loving life, we have to live more from our hearts. How can we get out of the mind and into the heart? I think they're so right, because I think a lot of people out there in society are operating out of fear and lack. And coming into the heart is really, I have a lot of people that come to me for dating or for love, and we end up then transitioning into something else. You know, it might be just a little gateway into spirituality for them. But they talk about being open hearted and they're afraid to be open hearted. They're afraid to be vulnerable. And I always say to them, vulnerability for me isn't about declaring everything or divulging your childhood trauma to somebody on the first or second date. It's not about that. It's about having that open heart so that you can be fully in your body. And being fully in your body means that you've more access to your intuition so that you can actually see those red flags. If you're sitting there on a date and you're thinking, 
What's this person's job? Is this person hot? I don't really like his jeans. I don't like his trainers. If you're thinking all those things, it's not possible to actually see any red flags or actually tune into what your heart is actually telling you. So really for me, being open-hearted is about being present in the moment, being more in your body. So again, it's going back to all those tools to come more into your body and stop using your logical mind. Because a lot of times our logical mind, it can only get us so far. And it's always going to keep us in that safe zone and keep us building on more fear and projecting more fear and vibrating from that place. Yes, I love that. And I think a lot of people avoid connecting with their hearts because it feels vulnerable and it unlocks our emotions and it can be uncomfortable. You know what? That's okay. It's okay to be uncomfortable. And it's really one of the beautiful parts of being human to dive into your heart and feel your emotions. A hundred percent. It really, really is beautiful. And I feel so grateful when I'm working with people and they have to get vulnerable with me. And I feel so, so grateful that they choose to work with me and feel safe enough to actually get vulnerable. But it can be really, really scary for people because they're not used to tapping into that openness or they're not used to because I do intuitive work, I could be saying stuff to them that they've never actually discussed with other people. So it can be a heart opener in itself and it can be really, really difficult. But even getting to that place with one person, being able to be vulnerable with one person actually opens it up to make you or to let you know that it's safe to be vulnerable with other people. With people that you trust, it has to be with somebody you trust. It's not about being vulnerable to everybody because then you are opening yourself up to other people's opinions. And I feel like a lot of us that come into this space, and I'm sure you're similar to me, that if you're an empath, you may have had the disease to please like I certainly did in the past. And when you are open and vulnerable, if you do have sensitivity, it, it might be opening yourself up to too much, particularly if you are on this healing journey. Talking about this makes me emotional because living with an open heart was really hard for me for a long time. I lived most of my life detached from my emotions with my heart closed. I became a scientist, which is very logical and kept me in my mind all day. And I think the practice that was the game changer for me, the turning point, and the thing that helps me keep my heart open today is gratitude. Gratitude for every little thing, even the hard stuff. And once I found that gratitude, the floodgates opened. <laughs> gratitude, it's, it's such an interesting one, isn't it? Because I have some people that come to me and I know this for myself in the past. I struggled with gratitude because I wasn't very happy with where I was in life. And I had my spiritual awakening following um, a very dark phase in my life, like a lot of people. And it was very difficult to find gratitude in those moments. And what I started doing was I got a beautiful journal and I started writing down the small things. And even though I didn't feel 100% grateful for them, you know, I was writing a roof over my head. I was writing this beautiful journal. I didn't feel fully grateful for them at the time. So I think people can be shamed into doing gratitude and writing these lists. But starting me off on that journey of doing it really got a practice in and then I could start opening up and seeing more things. So as you said, it's the floodgates. But I sometimes have people that are resistant to doing gratitude because they can't see it at all. And so if there's anybody out there that's feeling like that, please know that it's start, start the practice and start writing why you feel grateful for the things. Because 
it really, really is, as you said, about being grateful for the lessons. It's hard when you're so stuck in the ego to trust that the universe has a far greater plan for you. And it's like that expression, God first chose you a pebble, then a rock, then a boulder. And that's what the lessons are here. We all came to this earth with specific lessons and we're always being guided in the quickest way possible to learn the lessons. But when we don't, when we don't get the lesson with the pebble, the rock is thrown and then the pebble is thrown. And I've had, or the boulder, I keep getting mixed up. I've had a few boulders thrown my way. And when you actually lean into it and actually start to have gratitude for those lessons and go, what is this here to teach me? When anything challenging is happening, ask that question to yourself, what is this here to teach me? You might not get the answer straight away, but the more curious you get with life, the easier it will become. And like you said, the floodgates then open because you're like, okay, I've learned that lesson. Tick, move on universe. I'm ready for the next. And you don't need to see as many rocks or boulders. Thank you for that analogy. I think it's really helpful. And exactly, gratitude helps with the mindset shift. It's all about that mindset shift and seeing that higher level perspective. But Cheryl, at the same time, our mind and our ego, they feel familiar, like you said, and they can feel like a safe space when there is a lot going on around us. And there's just so much happening in the world today. So much change, so much death and destruction. Hate feels like it's on display and it's really easy to get stuck in a state of fear. How can we stay connected to our hearts and keep our hearts open no matter what is going on around us or what's going on in the world? Well, I think once again, when something difficult is happening, it's about remembering that, that you signed up to specific lessons. And I know some people might not want to hear that, but that is the reality of how the universe works. And one of the biggest lessons I often find for me is about being present. So I will have things happen for me recently enough. I spilt boiling water over my hand just when I was making a cup of tea. I don't even know how I did it. And I didn't burn my hand, but it was like that was enough to make me go, "Okay, you're asking me to be present right now. Or there's so many instances when we're driving to someplace and we might almost somebody, you know, cuts us out or whatever. I, I take out that as a lesson of I need to be more present or if I need to jam on the brakes. It's like we're constantly been asked to wake up, pay attention. So I think being really present and actually being curious with what the universe is throwing at you to actually get curious and see what is this here to teach me with the wider collective? Yes, it can be more difficult because there is a lot of tragic circumstances going on in the world, but we also get to choose what we feed our mind. I don't watch the news or I don't follow um, people on social media that I find negative because that puts me into a more negative space. And because I did associate with my mind or my ego for so much of my life. I know that I'm very prone or susceptible because I am that sensitive person that takes on energy. I know I'm very susceptible to taking on those fears as well. And what you focus on expands. So if you're focusing on all those fear-based things, more fear is going to come in to your life. And collectively, I believe that's what's happening because so many people are in that fear cycle. Whereas more of us can actually come into our hearts, then we're causing a ripple effect for those around us. And I believe because we're here with a purpose and my purpose is here to help people remember that they are pure love. That's just one of my purposes. We all have many phases of purposes in our life. But I believe we all 
have a ripple effect. So the more open my heart can be, the more I can show up for my clients, the more open they can be with the people in their lives. And in turn, because I work with a lot of people that I believe are meant to be light workers, they're here to raise the consciousness of the planet. They can go on and work with other people and light up their worlds. And I think sometimes people might be listening and they're saying, okay, well, I'm in a corporate job. It's no impact. I, I can't impact the world. And that's so not true. We all can create an impact. I had somebody from my nine to five. I recently left my nine to five, but I had somebody who started following me and I didn't believe that she was into any of this spirituality or anything like that. But she was very supportive of me. And, you know, every now and again, she'd send me a comment, a message. And a few weeks later, she was like, I want to thank you so much. I signed up to a yoga class. And I was thinking, I I don't speak as much as I like yoga. I don't really speak about yoga on my Instagram. And I was like, but I don't speak about that. And she was like, no, I just saw how lit up you are. And I really just wanted to do something for myself. So we don't realize the impact that we can have on the world. We don't have to go to war-torn countries to make a difference. Maybe that's part of your purpose. Maybe you are meant to do that, but that's not for all of us. Mm, Yes. And it's a conscious choice too, right? We have to choose to drop back into our hearts again and again. When we feel our hearts closing off, we have to recognize that acknowledge that and consciously choose to open our hearts back up and go to our toolkit. And we might need a a little help with that, some support from a healer like yourself or support from community, a safe space to be held in order to allow our hearts to open again. A hundred percent. I think a lot of the times we feel alone and it can be quite vulnerable to have to reach out to a coach or a healer or an intuitive or a therapist or whatever modality you need to look into. There is always support out there. And I myself have been one of the first ones to kind of sometimes if I'm facing anything challenging, I can go into this cycle of I should know better. You know, I should know better. I'm a coach. I'm a healer. I should. But I have to reach out to people. I have a great support network. But also, you know, we've so many other modalities that can help us. We have a spirit team. We have the angels. We can tap into that. You don't have to go it alone. And I think that's the amazing thing when you get into this spirituality is that you don't have to constantly do it alone. But we have free will and your spirit guides can't help you or the angels can't help you unless you actually ask for support and help off them. Definitely. And that's the important distinction, right? We have to ask for that help from the spirit guides, the angels, from a healer, right? We have to take that step and ask. You're so right. Another tool I've recently learned about, which I think can really help keep us centered in our hearts, is from The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, a classic book that I highly recommend to anyone. It's actually been on my bookshelf for years and years, and I just finally started reading it. And the simple yet profound tool is don't take anything personally. I love it. Ah, wow. Right. It's so powerful. And I wanted to read you a quote from the four agreements, which talks about this, because I think it's a perfect summary. As you make a habit of not taking anything personally, you won't need to place your trust in what others do or say. You will only need to trust yourself to make responsible choices. You are never responsible for the actions of others. You are only responsible for you. 
When you truly understand this and refuse to take things personally, you can hardly be hurt by the careless comments or actions of others. If you keep this agreement, you can travel around the world with your heart completely open and no one can hurt you. You can say, I love you without fear of being ridiculed or rejected. You can ask for what you need. You can say yes, or you can say no, whatever you choose without guilt or self-judgment. You can choose to follow your heart always. Then you can be in the middle of hell and still experience inner peace and happiness. I love that so much. I haven't heard of that book. I must check it out. It's so beautiful. I know. I have really, chills talking about it. Totally. And especially the way you read it. But it was really reminding me of, I started reading um, the metaphysical text, of course, in Miracles. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Mm. But one of the very first lines in it is, nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. And it's basically saying that the real truth is, as we've been speaking about, is that your love and what's unreal is the ego because the ego mind is actually man-made. So it's exactly in that, like, how can somebody else hurt you when everything is perfect exactly as it is? And I know the A Course in Miracles, it's very, it talks a lot about God and Jesus. And I had so much resistance to that at the beginning because I didn't want to associate with them because I was brought up as Catholic. I was like, I don't want to associate, but now I have so much more of a deeper understanding and gratitude for it. But it's like that line that Jesus said, it's like, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. And I used to have such resistance to, to that line because it's just saying they don't know what they do, but it's actually saying that anything negative or coming from fear or coming from lack isn't actually real. And it's actually saying that that line is actually asking God to heal these people because clearly they are insane if they're going around hurting people. They use that word insane when you're coming from the ego mind. So it's just, it's fascinating. I think we can see it across so many texts that that's what the true essence is coming back to. Yes, thank you. And these are life-changing concepts if we let it taking nothing personally and keeping our hearts open, life changing. Absolutely. It's that question, that one question, do I choose to see this through a lens of fear or through a lens of love? Yes, definitely. So Cheryl, after we've identified the ego and dropped into our hearts and worked on loving ourselves, I think the next step is to begin to follow our intuition. What are some of the different ways our intuition speaks to us? Oh, I love this. It's always speaking to us. And everybody has different ways of hearing it. A lot of people I know hear it in our own voice. I certainly hear it in my own voice. So that's why some people don't understand and they can't decipher, is it my ego or is it my intuition? It's because it's that same voice, but it's coming to you in a loving manner and it actually comes to you out of no place. I get a lot of my downloads just when I'm waking up in the morning or maybe in the middle of the night when I hear it, or it could be through dreams. People, plenty of people's intuition speaks to them through dreams. It's really good to keep a dream journal. Another way intuition speaks to us is through just journaling, allowing your pen to free flow and actually allowing spirit to come through. And you might be writing, I don't know what I'm saying. I literally have nothing to say here and just allow, allow the words to flow. And you'll sometimes notice a change in your voice you'll notice that you're actually writing more loving and compassionately to yourself 
And sometimes it might come through, you might hear it as we, because we are a collective consciousness, you might hear it as we. Other times it's just that pure knowing, that absolutely knowing that you're supposed to do something. And that's how I found my intuitive gifts was just by following that knowing. I heard Nikki Novo on a podcast and instantly I thought, who is this woman I need to work with her? And within a week, I signed up to her program and it made no sense because I was in my nine to five. I had started the business. I was already doing another course on manifestation. I was trying to do all the things on Instagram. It made no sense and it scared the hell out of me. But at the same time, once I started making those bigger leaps into the unknown, my intuition got louder and louder and louder. And that's really one of the best ways that you can really improve your intuition is when you start trusting yourself. Because your intuition is always guiding you. And the more you take that aligned action, the louder it will get for you. And I think the thing is, is that there's so many people out there in the manifestation world talking about, you know, visualizing things, visualizing your dream life. And it's like you can't win the lotto unless you go and buy the lottery ticket the same way that your intuition is guiding you to do something to take the next step. And that's what's going to lead you into greatness is taking that aligned action. It's that clear knowing. You can also have fun with it. Have fun with your spirit guides. Notice angel numbers. You can ask the universe for signs. And I think that's the greatest way to start out is really, I know for me, when I wasn't trusting is my voice, which voice is that? Is that actually my ego or higher self speaking to me? I really started playing with the universe, like asking the universe, show me an owl or show me a feather if I'm meant to do this course, if I'm meant to work with this person. Also, one more thing, and I actually, um, I love Oracle cards. I pulled this card before I came on and it was basically, it says, leap, you go first, the universe will catch you. So I think that's a, a sign for anybody that's listening today to take that leap because your intuition is guiding you and deep down your soul knows it. You're just holding on to your ego spheres. Thank you for sharing that with us and for pulling a card for us. I love that. And our intuitive abilities are also a multi-sensory experience, right? Taste, smell, visuals, feelings, sounds, a blend of all of those things. There are no limits. There really is no limits. And this is one of the great things that I saw in my, when I was training and so many people felt, oh no, I'm not good because I don't see things clearly or because I don't hear things in another voice. And we can get so into comparison mode in thinking that there is one way of doing it. There absolutely isn't. If you feel that you hear things or you see things more, tap into that. The other senses will come. That They will come if they're meant to come. And it's to not judge yourself. So many people were visual people when I was training and I do get visuals for people, but I get a lot of the information through hearing it in my, my own voice. I was for so long thinking, I'm not seeing anything. I don't, I don't have a connection with my guides. And I was really judging myself. It just goes to show that the ego will trick you, even if you're getting the right information. But then I didn't realize that some of those other girls said to me, you've such a connection with the angels. I'd love to have a connection with the angels. And it's just goes to show no matter what the ego shows up and tries to make us think that we're doing something wrong, but it's always guiding you and just start trusting yourself doing the really small things rather than if you're too afraid to take the leap, do the small things and allow that voice get louder. 
And our intuition connects us to our higher selves. In essence, this whole conversation today is a guide on how to connect with our higher selves through our hearts and our intuition. Absolutely. So many people call it so many different things. I believe like our higher self is connecting us to our intuition. Our higher self, generally, when I'm doing sessions with clients, helping them to embody their higher self, I'll usually bring their higher self down from soul star chakra and allow the higher self to reside in the heart. And other people say that it's the womb, that the womb is where where our higher selves is coming through, that it's a portal to higher states of consciousness. So essentially, it's, it's what feels right to you. And no matter what, our higher selves, our souls, our core essence is love. Absolutely. I love it. That, that's all. If anybody takes anything away from today, it's exactly that. Cheryl, I think the barrier, though, for a lot of people, and myself included, is that trust piece. Maybe we hear our intuition speaking to us, but we're afraid of what it's saying. We're afraid to act on it. Yeah, but when you really look into it, like that's exactly like, are you going to follow the ego? Because you even said it there yourself, that we're afraid. And your higher self isn't afraid because your higher self knows that no matter what decision you make, you're going to be learning lessons from it. So your higher self isn't afraid. There is no wrong path. Essentially, if you go off course a little bit, the universe will be guiding you back. But there is no wrong decisions. I have so many people that come to me with like big decisions of taking a job or, you know, and I see so many pathways and there's infinite possibilities, infinite possibilities and infinite timelines. And a lot about trusting your intuition is sometimes your intuition is always leading you to your destiny, but you can speed up your timelines and collapse your timelines by actually choosing to take the leap and choosing what your intuition is telling you. So it's up to you. You get the choice. You're going to be led to your destiny if you're in this space of listening to your intuition. If you're fully associated with your ego, chances are you won't. But it's really about trusting in the little things. And I know it can be so hard to have faith. I have many, many moments that I don't have faith, but I've seen too much magic now in this world. Like me leaning in and doing that course with Nikki Novo, I would not be here today having this amazing conversation with you if I didn't take that leap of faith. And when we anchor back, the more we do it and we anchor back and we're proving to ourselves it's safe to actually trust ourselves, the easier it'll get. Thank you. You're just speaking to my soul. This is something I've been working on myself lately. And one thing I've been doing every day, sometimes multiple times a day, is putting my hands on my heart and saying to myself, I trust myself. I have faith in myself. I follow my heart. I follow my intuition. And that's just been feeling really good in my body lately. It's so beautiful. It's such a powerful thing to do. Those words are very beautiful, but even the concept of placing your hands on your heart is a beautiful thing to do. And it can be really daunting for people at the, at the start because some people's hearts are quite heavy. You know, as you mentioned, with all that's going on in the world, it can feel really heavy, you know, and there's so many different ways of healing your heart um, so that it can be fully, fully open. I have another free meditation on healing your heart on Insight Timer as well. But once you connect to that heart space and just even feel into what's going on within there, that's going to guide you to do the next thing, whether that is to heal your heart more or to open it up more. Your heart is always speaking to you. 
Cheryl, the last piece of the puzzle for a more loving world and a more loving life is the highest expression of love, love in its highest vibration, which is unconditional love. Can you please talk a little about unconditional love and what that means to you? That's really, really deep. Um, I love it though. Unconditional love when I'm speaking about myself or speaking about an individual, it really is unconditionally loving yourself, the good and the bad. Not judging yourself for your past, for your present, for where you're going. Just fully leaning into the fact that you are human. You may have made mistakes and that's okay. You have the power to forgive yourself. Nobody else can forgive yourself for those things. It's all the power resides within you. When we're speaking about unconditional love with a partner or in a relationship, again, this is down to full acceptance of the person. And that's not to say that if somebody is treating you badly or there's toxic things going on in a relationship, that's not excusing those things. But say in a healthy, functional relationship, unconditional love is about openly communicating. I see in a lot of readings with people in partnership or if they've come out of partnerships that a lot of people are placing conditions on another person. And I'll just use the example of a man and a woman dynamic. And because I work mainly with females, I would sometimes see that they might decide they want, they're already thinking they want more love from their partner. They want more. Their partner isn't giving them enough. And they're like, okay, I'm going to make a beautiful meal tonight. And He's going to worship me. He's going to honor me. I'll light the candles. I'll buy a nice bottle of wine, make the dinner, makes the dinner. And the guy eats it and goes, thanks, babe, and gets up and leaves the table. And she is furious because she's put all this effort in, gotten dressed up. And then she may start fight with him. You didn't bring out the bins or something completely irrelevant. But it's because there was conditions put on there. It's not just making a beautiful meal. It's I want him to show up for me in X, Y, Z way. And when he doesn't, she gets frustrated. But how is that fair on that other person when they don't know there's conditions on that dinner? So really, it's about openly accepting the person, but also being open and communicating what you actually want and what you need. And it's okay to have needs in any relationship, not just in a partnership. That's so beautiful. Thank you, Cheryl. And unconditional love is also universal, loving everything every blade of grass, every petal on a flower, every human. And unconditional love means being in a place of acceptance and non-judgment and allowing every being to be as they are moment to moment. That's so beautiful. And I think the word the word abundance is coming to mind. And a lot of people I come across think that abundance means financial abundance. And it's not. There's so much more to abundance. You can, you know, have an abundance of love, abundance of freedom, abundance of joy, definitely abundance of wealth, if that's what you want. And nature really is one of the places that we can go and we can see that abundance. Yes. And the ripple effects of that unconditional love are massive so huge if we can all start living from that place of openness and loving ourselves more than it can I pour onto everybody else I hope to one day live in an unconditionally loving world that's my dream I'm sure you will I'm sure you're probably a higher dimensional being anyway on this earth coming down to you know raise the consciousness of this planet so you probably come from a place that's already unconditional love 
<laughs> I love that. Thank you, Cheryl. Sorry, I had to go a bit way right there. <laughs> Cheryl, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your love and wisdom with us. I have one final important question for you. What is your vision for humanity and the earth? Oh, I love that question. I just have to go back and touch on my wounds because if I know a lot of people might be feeling the heaviness. And if you are a higher dimensional being and you're here on this earth, you can find it really dense and really hard. And that's why a lot of us, when we don't remember where we're actually from, it can be really, really heavy. And that's why a lot of light workers in particular go through phases of depression and have that like dark night of the soul that cracks them open. And that's why it's it's more difficult to be here in the density of earth. But you're not alone. It's, there is a reason for it. But my vision for humanity and this earth is exactly that. My vision for myself is that I can keep choosing love. I still get the challenge of, do I see this through a lens of fear or through a lens of love? And I have to keep on making that choice. But the more I lean into love, the more I can teach my clients, teach people that want to work with me to do the same. And that for me will really have the ripple effect on earth and on humanity. If we want to create a more peaceful, and loving world. We each have to become more loving. This is your task, your challenge, to embody love, to be love, to spread love, to be a loving presence on this planet. I'll end today with one of my favorite quotes about love by Marguerite Poret. Love has no beginning, no end, and no limit. And I am nothing except love.